This is an additional podcast of the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where the Sunday Times Politics team interviews various ANC candidates contesting in the governing party's national elective conference for the top six leadership positions. This special series will allow you to sit down and be up and close and personal with the contenders as they chat about their personal lives, the experiences that have shaped them, and most importantly, why they deserve to be considered for some of South Africa's top leadership positions. With immediate effect. When people saw us, and I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Jefferson. Order, Jefferson. Point of order. The ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The ANC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Mr. Nkuli, thank you so much for giving us uh, time to have this chat with you. Your name has come up uh, several times um, you know, in different provinces uh, during the branch nomination. But why do you feel that um, ANC members feel that they need to nominate you? <clears throat> no, no, thanks. I think um, yeah, I'm sure there will be a number of reasons, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll just uh, cite two or three of them. Generally, the NC is becoming younger in the sense that even our own leadership, when we went to the last policy conference, there was a very strong message uh, from the younger generation of the ANC that um, we need to, uh, to, you know, to cope up with society uh, in terms of uh, the leadership that we elect for the organization and also the, the comrades who are deployed to parliament and government. So, so I think uh, it's, those of us who are relatively young, in the early 40s, are probably in a better position, given the experience that we've accumulated over the past few years, uh, to occupy senior responsibilities in the ANC. The other factor, of course, is that I've served as a, a national organizer of the ANC for almost a decade. Uh, and during that period, under both, uh, under Secretary General Khalima, and Kwedemantashe respectively. So one, gain a, a deeper understanding of how the ANC works. And then I was also introduced to the rest of the country. Because if you work as a national organizer of the ANC, uh, you, you have to operate literally everywhere in the country. Um, I think I met many comrades around that period, many of them now who are part of the leadership structures of the ANC at provincial and regional levels. Uh, so, but I think the most recent one would be that uh, I served as the provincial secretary of the ANC's uh, biggest province, biggest in terms of its membership and biggest in terms of the population that votes for the African National Congress. And if you look at the period in which one was uh, in office, it's probably one of the, the most uh, difficult and unprecedented uh, era in the leadership history of the ANC both in South Africa and KZN in particular, because there were peculiarities that have to do with KZN, uh, which I'll, I'll deal with briefly later on. So I think the way in which we exercise leadership 
attracted a lot of attention from our comrades who I'm sure were paying attention to the work that we're doing. And when the time came <coughs> for the nomination for national leadership, a, a number of comrades from different provinces approached us uh, and said that they think we can play a role at a national level. So we said it's okay, let's have that view uh, tested on the ground. Uh, and yet they were not incorrect because uh, we have seen an overwhelming uh, uh, reception of my name in different parts of the country, literally almost everywhere. It's quite a number of uh, uh, comrades from the younger generation whose name have been raised, including for uh, senior responsibilities as that of the deputy president. Okay. And it's perfectly clear in my view that uh, the message from the NC structures is that unless we, we change now in terms of how we, we constitute the leadership, okay. the NC will have no future. And the, how does that align with the membership of the ANC? It, I mean, it's it's getting fairly young itself, isn't it? Sure. Is is it is it does it resonate everywhere, even in the province that you you led as as provincial secretary? It is. It is. If you look at the look at the provinces at the moment uh, throughout the country, I think the only province really that is led by somebody above fifty. Is, the, is probably the, the Nipopo province, okay. uh, where the chair of the ANC is about 50 years of age. Um, in my province, those are my generation who are leading there. Okay. Uh, all of us are in the early 40s. They may be slightly older than me by two, three years, but still far below 50. If you look at Gauteng, Panyas has just uh, probably passed the, the margin that I'm talking about. So as Zamani, he would be around around that. Uh, so Mandla and Pumalanga and Chirwa. So you can see there, there is an appreciation at a grassroots level that um, we are growing younger in terms of the membership. And so that also must find expression in the composition of the leadership elect. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you are looking into the future. So that means if you guys then, as the younger generation, wants to get in, there should be another layer that comes after you. That's correct. Do you think the ANC has done or is doing enough to make sure that they build such capacity? We, we haven't. I mean, it has, the ANC hasn't done uh, sufficient on that aspect. It's, it's one of the, one of the, in my own view, one of the urgent tasks that the coming national leadership will have to undertake. Uh, because seeing the ANC leadership is, is, is produced consciously. It, it doesn't just develop and evolve um, naturally without any intervention okay. to deliberately produce uh, people who understand the economy, who understand governance, uh, thought leaders, you know, people who can contribute meaningfully in the direction of the movement in the country. We haven't done well over the past uh, I think actually since 1994, there's been a, a regression, a regression on that aspect because uh, I think the movement and the, the top leadership has been preoccupied with governance. The demands of governance are quite extensive and uh, challenging. That's part, partly the reason why I have been advocating for a restructuring of the headquarters of the ANC okay. in order to take into account our new conditions. The restructuring in the sense that uh, we need to have two uh, comrades who are occupying 
the positions, the two positions that must be created of the the DSGs. Okay. <clears throat> a Deputy Secretary General, uh, who in my own view must focus on uh, matters of governance, policy development, research, cadre um, development, all those aspects, governance and all of those things. <clears throat> and then you need a DSG that must focus on uh, what is called organizing, okay. which is building the relationship between the ANC and different sectors of society, what in our language we call uh, the motive forces of the MTR, which literally actually means those who stand to benefit on the change that the ANC is driving in society. Now you need that because if you if you don't restructure the head office in that way, um, we are gradually, if not already, have lost the character of the ANC of being a national liberation movement. Um, we are gradually becoming a, a governing party or a political party rather than a national liberation movement. While a national liberation movement is not only concerned with governance, mm -hmm. it's concerned with the day-to-day -day affairs of the population. So, for instance, it is the national liberation movement that will say, what are the challenges facing the traditional leaders in our country? For instance, if there is a, a problem in a particular locality or a township, um, which, which may not necessarily be resolved by the police, which need the population to be organized, uh, to defend itself or to organize itself to work together to achieve a particular objective. It is the, it's the National Liberation Movement that must work on those aspects, which must help people to, to disabuse themselves of this thing that I'm going to sit at home, government must do it for me. I need a house, they must do it for me. I need what? Uh, what is it? Because in the ANC, we... We are, we are taught, and this is a, something that has been there for many years, that people are their own liberators, which means that they've got to be organized in such a manner that they take up actions in order to extricate themselves from the conditions that are undesirable. So that is the aspect that I'm saying it is dying out in the NC. And that's part of the reason why the NC is losing support amongst the people, because we no longer have that dynamic contact with our people on the ground to respond to their different challenges. Why is it? Why is that? What, what is, what's missing? What's missing is that, firstly, when we, we took over government, the demands of governments were, were, were too challenging for the movement to, uh, you know, to deal with this aspect of its responsibility as a liberation movement, a national liberation. But the other reason is also because we have not restructured the head office in order to respond to the new situation. That is why I'm saying, without having a DSG for organizing and a DSG for governance, for instance, we will not know which municipality is functional. I, I think at this stage, we don't have a mechanism that can tell the head office of the ANC that you know this caucus and this municipality is dysfunctional. These councillors are not performing their job, they are not calling community meetings. Um, this council, unless we do something, they will fail to finish the, the grants, the budget that is given to them. And yet service delivery is not being uh, seen on the ground. Now, if, without that kind of an instrument, which must be developed by the head office, but be built in such a manner that is entrenched throughout the system, but monitored and driven from the central level, you would not know. You, you see people, you, you wake up, you see people are protesting and nobody knows from the ANC because the ANC has somehow distanced itself from the population. 
over the years, the ANC has also been attempting to its own ranks. The people who are not very committed, who are joining the ANC because the governing party has an opportunity to be a councillor, there's an opportunity to be a member of parliament, a minister. There's even an opportunity to do business because uh, you have a proximity to the governing party. Uh, uh, so how to deal with those elements? Because uh, once they are close to what they are here to do, they will then neglect the fundamental task of being a member of the ANC, assigned responsibilities in a certain arena of work. Uh, so. Now, unless you, you have a system and a mechanism that is driven at a national level, you will not be able to, see, to, to, to identify and isolate the chance takers. Mm-hmm. My own view is that we must also, at the end of this, if my membership expires, let's say next year, March, I hold a view that uh, it, it must be incumbent upon me to persuade the ANC. What, on what basis should the ANC renew my membership? What skills, what talent am I bringing to the ANC rather than what the ANC will do for me? Because, and you will discover that there are many comrades within the ANC who will not pass the test, who would not be able to justify convincingly why should they be kept within the membership of the ANC because they didn't come to the ANC out of identifying with its own value system and committed to its own agenda. So they will struggle to justify because, in my view, uh, if we, we get that right, at a, a later stage, maybe in the next five to ten years, we should aspire to a direction where only the best in society are found in the membership of the ANC. Historically, that is what has always been the case. That's why you have all Tambo, Mandela, highly revered by the population, not just the membership of the ANC. We need to move to that direction and probably learn something from uh, the CPC, the Communist Party of China, where you don't join the ANC as an individual. You are recommended by people in your area. They say this one, you know, the way in which uh, he conducts himself, he addresses people, highly committed. We think he deserves to be a member of the Communist Party. We need to aspire to that direction in the ANC. So we'll have to learn from our sister parties about what mechanisms are in place to ensure that uh, we defeat the staff writers who are inside the movement? You tried to do that in this past election by involving uh, communities in picking who their candidates sure. should be. But it wasn't really uh, accepted by especially ANC members who saw themselves um, as the next in line. But, the, but because they were not recommended in that community meeting, which involved even... Uh, people who are not necessarily ANC members, they were not recommended, so they recommended someone else. And that caused a bit of friction in the party, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it explains, uh, you know, the, the experience of November last year uh, actually is a good lesson to understand the extent to which the ANC has been deeply infiltrated. Let me tell you what was, uh, what was the intention of the, the guidelines. Uh, and probably these guidelines... Uh, are too good for the current ANC. In a sense that in the ANC you belong to a branch. A branch, they say a minimum of members of hundred members belong to a branch. Now, if you con the, the, the plan was that the guidelines were saying you must convene a membership meeting, which we call BGM. And that meeting must have a quorum, fifty percent plus one of membership in good standing. 
So let's assume that uh, you and I belong to the branch that has got 100 members. So we needed 51 to have a caller. Oh, if, if 100 people come, that's good. In that meeting, the guidelines were envisaging a, a process where we then meet as a membership, we discuss. We need to select a counsellor. Uh, in this process, who amongst us we think that uh, would be best suitable to represent the National Congress? The guidelines are saying we, we can select just four people. So when we choose the four amongst us, whether by consensus or by vote, the expectation is that emerging from that BGM, all 100 members of the ANC, including those who did not attend the meeting, will rally behind the decision of the majority. That's where the problem starts. When those who are not loyal members of the ANC disagree with the position of the majority, and not only disagree, but work tirelessly on the ground to divide the population about who should be chosen as a candidate of the ANC. Because in a normal course of events, that outcome must be defended by all of us, all hundred of us. When we go to a public meeting, mm -hmm. we must go together and say, you know here, the hundred members of the ANC in this world are united. We've got these four candidates. We want you to interrogate these candidates and then tell us whom do you think is the best one to represent you as your concept. As the ANC, we are unbiased to any of them. We want the four of them. We want to hear from you as a population. If the population says it's Mtumiseni, sure, we would agree with the population. So let's go and campaign. But you see, when you have elements that are not in the ANC, in the ANC for good intentions, they don't win in the PGM, they go down and divide the population and say, no, no, don't accept what is coming out of that meeting. Uh, we, we want to go and get somebody else so that we can undermine the very same organization that they have joined voluntarily and for which when they were joining, they said that uh, we will work for its unity and will defeat and fight uh, factionalism and all of those things. So the guidelines, in my view, were the brilliant guidelines. But I think they came earlier. You needed to deal with the, the existence of the staff riders first and leave loyal members of the ANC who will then understand that we need to act and act selflessly in order to for the ANC to succeed in its own agenda. As you understand, to arrive at conference, my understanding was that, you know, the general consensus was that you were going to be re-elected. Um, but then you get to conference and it doesn't happen that way. What, what, what do you think happened there? Well, uh, I mean, uh, when we were preparing for the conference, they... There was a huge expectation that uh, a number of us, myself, the chair, would be re-elected. Um, because, because uh, you know, if you are nominated overwhelmingly in the province, you, you would not have uh, any doubt of being uh, elected. And given the fact that we also, in my view, have done our work relatively well, we inherited a province that was really divided, which was defined by a lot of infighting, and we succeeded to to rebuild the organization. I think we have left it slightly better than what we, we inherited. And of course, when we got into the conference, um, two, three days before, um, there was then a, a huge disagreement say, amongst comrades about who should be a deputy chair of the ANC. Uh, should it be Mshengu, Kwasi Mshengu, or Noma Kukus Melane? Uh, and of course, that on its own had an impact on the realignment of delegates. 
when they arrive at the conference. Because remember, uh, naturally belong to the same school of thought that I come from. Uh, so if they now contest for one position, it's inevitable that uh, that will divide the delegation that was otherwise agreeing uh, about the choice of leadership. But another factor, I don't know to what extent uh, it played a role. Uh, there was a very negative, very offensive campaign which was ran in the province, social media and uh, some midnight briefings about us having a 10-hour backs on JZ uh, when he was facing difficulties. So you would know that uh, there are many people in the province and I think throughout the country who have sympathized very deeply with President Zuma at the time when he was incarcerated because of his age, advanced age, his health condition. So if somebody comes and use that, it becomes very emotional for people who are who were concerned that uh, probably JZ is not being uh, supported as he should have been. I I think to some extent that might also uh, have impacted on some of the delegates. I don't know to what extent, but I think it's one of the factors that we picked up, um, which was used now uh, to campaign against us, that no, these ones must not be trusted. Uh, in fact, the narrative was that uh, strangely, was that we connive with the state for JZ to be arrested. As the, uh, as the then leadership. As the leadership, you know, single out myself and CJ because, of course, we, we, we are the top uh, in the top five. So, so that narrative was very, very strong. Very, you could see, you could feel the, the attitude, uh, even of the delegates, some of the delegates that even the song that they were singing, you could get a sense that some of them have bought into this narrative. That is why, uh, it, for us, it was not surprising that the conference will uh, choose their song, Wednesday New Zoom. We knew that was a build-up that was uh, over the past uh, two or three weeks before the conference. Uh, and we knew that those who are going to rise in that build-up might be beneficial of the outcome of the conference. We did not want that because, uh, I mean, we were, we, were, we were very clear that this thing that JZ has not been supported is a lie. It's not true. Um, JZ has been supported and everybody knows about that, but it has to be used as a tool uh, in order to advance a particular agenda. Uh, so I'm saying that and the fact that we also had our own internal problems within the caucus that was pushing our names, I think impacted on the outcome of the conference. So you then get to conference. Mm. Um, you, you, and I think I don't know. I think you're introducing the TG, uh, TG Paul Mashatile, and the song erupts. Yeah. What goes on in your head at that time? Look, what was happening? I, I, I was very clear that the reason why that is being done is because the, this narrative that there's been a neglect of JZ was not only directed to us in the province, but it was directed to the National Executive Committee led by President Cyril Ramaphosa, in which uh, Comrade Paul is also a Treasurer General of. So he, he was, I think the delegates were, were venting out to him uh, what their own feelings about the conduct of the leadership uh, in general, in a sense, province and national, uh, towards JZ. But I'm saying, I'm quite certain the very same people who are singing that song today would not want to be associated with that song because the fact of the matter is that 
since after the conference, many of them have recognized uh, that you know, they were sold to something that was not correct. It was a lie that uh, we had walked away from JZ. It was a lie that uh, we connived with some people in government or in the state uh, to get JZ arrested. I mean, you and I know that uh, what happened in the Commission of Inquiry, we couldn't make any intervention in that process as a political leadership. That was a matter between uh, JZ and the judiciary. Uh, but for somebody who is, uh, 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 for a lack of a better word, less educated about how our society structures and function, it's easy to be mobilized on the basis that these ones could have done something. That they didn't do anything, therefore they actually betrayed the old man. That realization um, that they were sold a, a wrong thing, when do you think happens? Does it because you? I'm asking this in a sense that yes, you lose the for, for, um, the re-election that you sought, mm. but then you are kept in the end in the P, in the provincial executive. Unlike Sikhezigala, um, uh, uh, where do you think that realization happened in conference or, or 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 after? And how would you then explain why you were kept in the in the PEC and not Sikhe? Look, I think. Um, it, it might have occurred partly while it was still in the conference uh, and most certainly long after the conference. I'm saying partly when it was still in the conference because, like we are saying, uh, it was then not possible for all of us to be taken out of leadership. Um, I remember when uh, just before, or it was just before or just after voting, I can't remember, I had an opportunity to explain to conference in detail how we, I was responding to questions on the organizational report and I, I explained in detail how the leadership actually handled the, the issues involving President Zuma. Um, much more greater detail to the extent that I could see the reaction of some of the delegates, that they now understood that uh, you know some of the things that have been said in the social media, panted uh, in the mainstream media, some of it by uh, people who are talking negative about us, were actually incorrect. So our, our, my view is that the realization occurred uh, at the conference, partly and beyond the conference. But I also think that uh, you see in the ANC, a high, we place a high premium on what we call the top five or the top six. We see them as the apex leadership. Sometimes people may say, we don't want this one uh, in the top, uh, top six. But we still, you can still add a value as part of the collective. So it may very well be that uh, it has nothing to do with that realization at conference, but the fact that people would say, yes, we don't want them in the top leadership, but we still want them in the provincial executive committee as a structure. So it, it, it may be a combination of that or one of the factors. Okay, so now you are in the, in the, in the PEC. Mm. Obviously, you would have felt betrayed by these allegations that were made to de-campaign you. Does it not make it difficult to work together in the PEC? Like especially during meetings? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, of course, yeah, you are quite right. Uh, we, we, I felt uh, personally, and I'm sure this is also shared by a, a number of comrades, including comrades, that we were badly betrayed. Um, and that uh, lies and fabrications were used to alienate us, 
uh, to organize the membership of the ANC against us, which was very wrong. I mean, you know, after after that conference, uh, how some of us were very pained by how Sitler got treated uh, in various occasions where he went as premier, and people would just erupt in a destructive song. Uh, you could see that was uh, you know the work of these elements uh, who are in the ANC, but for purposes other than what the ANC is supposed to be saving. We were very patriotic, but in the PEC, I think there's a, I think there's a, a great sense of maturity amongst ourselves. I mean, we, we have accepted that there's a new leadership. We've got to rally behind that new leadership. Whether the election of that leadership um, leaves us with a bad taste in the context of what had happened before the conference, it's now neither here nor there. We now have a responsibility to support them and we are supporting them. We participate in the PEC freely without any sense of having a hangover or bitterness. We get along very well. We talk to each other even on the phone. So it's yeah. not, there's no bitterness that exists amongst us. Are you, are you therefore hinting that um, the posture that was taken to not endorse you as a province we could see that changing since we're getting so many other nominations. It's very possible. Mm. It's very possible that uh, actually, uh, let me say, I am quite certain that uh, overwhelmingly, the majority of cases and delegates at the national conference will vote for me. I, I know that as a matter of fact. Uh, I I interact with this. We grew up together. We know each other. Um, we We were interacting a lot, including with my own colleagues in the PEC. I, I know, I know as a matter of fact, when we get to the conference, um, I, I will get the majority of the votes from Procase. Baby, I, I want to see if I can ask this question in this manner. Mm. You lose uh, for the position of provincial secretary. Sure. You said, um, okay, you're elected into the peace, but then you sit and you think, hmm, what's next? Mm. Did you feel that you have to contest? To prove a point or to get away from the province itself? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <clears throat> Look, I was, um, the discussion has been there for quite some time. Um, I, I think two, three years ago, there was already a conversation about either myself or Sitler Zigarala becoming the Secretary General of the ANC. Um, and of course, when we went to the conference of the province, um, I, I would assume that if I was re-elected, it's probably going to, it was probably going to be Zigalala that you are pushing as the SG of the ANC because it would have not made sense for me, re-elected provincial secretary and then leaving a few months later. But now that I was not re-elected, we sat down, we evaluated our own situation in the province, we interacted with the Congress in the rest of the country. The view that image was that I should be the one who's considered uh, for the position of the SG. I'm saying for a number of reasons, of course, also because I was no longer a provincial secretary of the NC, but in the opinion of these comrades uh, in the rest of the country, my work there was the toughest of all provincial secretaries. And the way in which uh, we handled the situation and how we publicly pronounce on certain positions and engage with the public discourse inspired the confidence of comrades that this is the kind of uh, leadership we need. I, I think that's primarily what uh, comrades in my province and the rest of the country uh, identified. It's not a question of me leaving Guazulu Natal. It's a question of me 
uh, being identified to make a contribution at a different level of leadership. Perhaps let me throw in this question as a follow-up. The, I, did you get a sense during the onslaught, just before the conference, that you were being punished, perhaps also for being linked to the incumbent, the current president, Cyril Ramaphosa? You know, in KZN, the, there's been a very negative campaign against uh, President Ramaphosa. Very, very negative campaign. Um, I think when we came back from Nazareth, uh, some of our comrades did not really uh, went beyond the conference. They stayed there, um, and they, and and therefore, President Ramaphosa became somehow a target for them because he was not their choice. But I think the situation could have been, it could have developed better had it not been that hardly four or five months of his election, President Ramaphosa, the NEC took a decision to recall Jacob Zuma, President Zuma. And soon after President Zuma was recalled, the charges was re, were reinstated on him. And that sends an, an impression, created an impression, especially in Wazul Natal, that he was being targeted by the national leadership. Why soon after his recall, the churches are coming back? Well, actually, if you look at the work that was being done by uh, those who brought about the churches, the DA and the Helen Susan Foundation, I think Afil Forum or somebody like that, in any event, they were going to have these churches reinstated at some point, even at the point where President Zoom was still in office. Okay. But for people in KZN, who could not really be following those developments to that level, they saw it in that light. And so then, then President Ramaphosa became an embodiment of that problem. Uh, and those of us who are in leadership, we kept on saying to Congress, this is our president. It doesn't matter how you feel about him and what happened in Nasrek. He remains the first among equals in the movement. We have to work with him. There are moments where we are going to agree with him, and you must never construe agreements with him as a betrayal to JZ. And there are moments where we are going to disagree with him, as it is the case as well with President Zuma. There are times where we agree with him, there are times where we don't agree with him. And sometimes uh, in moments where we disagree with Zuma and agree with Ramaphosa on the same question, uh, people who are simplistic and narrow in their own approach will then say, these ones are working with that other one to undermine this one. So that, that was a kind of an environment that we found ourselves in. But I'm very proud of the fact that uh, we never wavered on that. Uh, we stood on principle. We gave a support to JZ that was uh, approved by our national leadership. And it was based on principle. Um, and where we felt it was uh, going wrong, we, we would say, no, we don't think he's doing this right. And so as uh, President of Apostle. So it's a, it's a period that... Quite honestly, I have no regret in terms of uh, the decisions we make and the public messages that we may have communicated at the time. Around, you know, uh, supporting the incumbent, but at the same time supporting uh, uh, the former president, isn't it? Yeah. You then have a question that lingers. You are contesting to be Secretary General of the ANC. There are those who the province itself, where you come from, 
has nominated someone else in Pumulo Masuale. Sure. But on the question of the president, they have nominated uh, uh, former health minister Zuli Mkize, who also is a former premier in the province. Where do you stand on the question of, of, of the president? Look, my own view is that, uh, firstly, I, I think we, we, we are on the path to defeat what is called slate politics. We planted a seed in Nazarek. If you look at the composition of the top six that was elected, uh, and I think that seat is now maturing. Okay. Uh, because you now have structures of the ANC branches in this case, deciding on their own who the, whom they want to nominate for any position, rather than nominating comrades on the basis of uh, their association with specific candidates. Now, that we're defeating the slate uh, politics, in my view, is something that we need to be proud of. And proud of in a sense that, uh, and proud without any reservation, in a sense that it also gives us an opportunity not to, you know, to be liberated from the politics of alignment. Uh, that uh, if I ele- am elected as the SG, I would want to be elected with you as president and not with him. No, it should not be like that. The question should be that I should be elected to the, to the SG and have the ability and the capability to perform in that responsibility, irrespective of who becomes the president. If the president is, is Comrade Cyril Ramaphosa, let's work together. If the president is Comrade Zolim Kiz, let's work together. President is Kosasan Jaminusum. Let branches of the ANC decide the best combination, which in their own opinion, will be able to discharge the responsibilities as expected in those offices. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you giving us your your time. I know it, the interview took longer than we yeah, had anticipated, yeah. but I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, thanks a lot.